right. First Thessalonians chapter four. Talking about the rapture, talking about the return of Christ in times. This passage is loaded with truth, but I want you to see the goal. The goal of this passage is found in verse 18, that God's people are encouraged. That God's people are encouraged. It's an amazing thing. Paul starts in verse 13 with people that are uninformed, and this leads to grief, and this leads to hopelessness. And then in six verses, it's a transition to hope, to being informed, to having joy, to being encouraged. And my prayer, and and as I was preparing for this message and and praying for you and praying for myself, is that this moves us in that direction. I pray that we are encouraged. Because there is a giant that we're facing, and that is death. And for most people on the face of the earth, that's a terrifying reality. But the Bible paints a different picture for those who are in Christ. The Bible paints death as sleep. And that Jesus will one day wake your bodies up to be reunited with your spirits to meet him in the air. And as we go through this, I hope that you see this isn't this blind hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not pie in the sky. This is rooted in the reality of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will do. This is as true as as the raindrops that hit you on the way in. This is reality. Now, I think this is important because, in my experience, when you're at a funeral and you see the casket, death is saying something about reality. Death is saying this is final. There is no tomorrow. There is no hope. You can see the body in the casket. But we know God says something entirely different. And that's where I want us to focus our attention this morning. Now listen, I don't know too much about psychics and tarot card readers and all that crazy stuff, but I do know this, it is on the rise. As a matter of fact, by the time 2024 rolls around, it's expected to be a $2.4 billion industry. It's one of the very few companies... That didn't take a hit with COVID-19. Why do you think that is? People are searching. People are desperate to know what's next. What's the career for me? Who should I marry? Where should I work? Should I move? What city should I live in? They're desperate to know what is next. What is the future? Over the past five years, the industry has grown at a 2% rate. People are desperate to know about what lies ahead. And it was interesting. I was, I I guess this was about 10 years ago. I was listening to another pastor give a message, and he was from New Orleans. And he said for seminary, they had to do an evangelism class, and the evangelism professor sent him to the Ninth Ward in New Orleans. And that's not a safe spot to go. That's a dangerous spot. And he said, I was trying to figure out how are we going to reach people in the Ninth Ward And he goes, as we were walking and praying, there was this sign and booth 
for the psychic that was getting people to pay to read their future. And so they came up with the idea, said, hey, we will read your future, tell you your future for free, right next to the booth with the psychic. And so the line was going, and he was sharing, and he goes, it was really easy. You know, we'd ask him a question, a couple questions, and then we'd finally get to Jesus. And we asked him, have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? Do you follow him as Lord? And if they say no, they would say, well, your future doesn't look too bright. As a matter of fact, it looks pretty bad. And I thought, well, that, that's pretty simple. But it communicates an eternal reality. What you do with Jesus will determine your eternity. And for those who are following Jesus, those who have banked it all on Jesus, who put their faith and trust in His salvation, who follow Him as Lord, have a bright, eternal future with Him. That is the reality. And that is what you see in this text. So I want you to be encouraged. Don't be uninformed. You see this with verse 13. Don't be uninformed. Uh, there was a commercial back in the day when I was young, Bo Jackson. I don't know how many people in the room know Bo Jackson, but it was an awesome commercial. Bo Jackson was great at two sports, probably a few more. He was pretty good at basketball and pretty good at track. But he excelled at football, played for the Raiders, played for Auburn Tigers. He excelled at baseball, played for the Kansas City Royals. And so the commercial would go, Bo knows baseball, that was true. And then it would go, Bo knows football, and that was true. And Bo knows cross training, and that was true. But then it goes, Bo knows hockey, with a question mark. And it shows him out on skates, and he's like, no, don't know ice hockey. Well, here at the church, Thessalonica, they know a lot of things. Paul got to spend some time with them, but there was one thing the church didn't know about. There was one thing the church was confused about, and it was about death and the return of Christ. And so right off the bat, you see wrong beliefs in those areas. And so Paul would teach them about Jesus' return, some of them thought, well, if Jesus is returning, I'll just quit my job. Just quit my job and chill out, wait for him to come. And then they would go mooch off of people that were working. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I, I'll just say, you know what? I'm done teaching. Jesus is going to return. Uh, I'll just go ask my mom for food. Go over to the balls. I'll use their pool, use their food. Ah, Josh, I I'm, I'm, don't have any clean clothes. Can, can you help me out here? I've sold my washer. Jesus is coming back church missed the point the fact that jesus is returning should have motivated them to work instead they quit everything they stopped working so paul had to correct that but then there was another group teachers were coming in and said you missed jesus's return must have happened when you were sleeping but you missed out on it so then people were panicking but then there was a delay and some in the church had died and they thought, oh man, they missed the return of Christ. They don't have hope. And they didn't know about what it meant when a believer dies and when Jesus returns. So here, Paul clears it up rather quickly. He says, don't be uninformed about those who sleep in death. And you see this word sleep three times right off the bat from 13 to 16. He just describes it as sleep. 
The body is buried, but the soul goes to Christ. The body is buried, and at the return of Christ, the body will rise just like sleep. Isn't that an amazing fact? Now, I don't know about you. I would imagine, hopefully, everybody in the room got some sleep last night. And because you are here, I will assume you woke up. I don't know how hard it was for you to wake up. For me, I had an alarm clock. I hate the sound of my alarm clock, but it does the trick. It rings. I get up out of bed. Nothing too spectacular. Everybody in the room got up out of bed. And that's what Paul is saying death is for those that are the saints. And you want to know what? Jesus calls it sleep. You remember when he went to save Lazarus? Lazarus was sick. And he goes, hey, guys, we're going to go see Lazarus. He has fallen asleep, but we're going to go there and wake him up. And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but if he's asleep, it's good for him. He'll get better. He'll wake up. And Jesus goes, guys, he's dead. But it's to your glory that you see what's about to happen. And he marches there. Lazarus has been buried four days. And he just says, hey, Lazarus, come on out. And he wakes up. It's not a hard thing for Jesus to bring back the dead. So when your body is buried, and, and that's the truth, right? The body will decay. Some bodies are burned, gone. Some are cremated. Some bones are lying in cemeteries. Some bones are out of sea. And none of that is difficult for God to regather and make new. Don't be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. That's number one. But then also, don't be uninformed about grief. About grief. Very, very important. Now, Paul's not saying don't be sad at a funeral. Right? And, and you see this again and again in Scripture. Uh, the, what we just talked about, Lazarus. Jesus there, and it says that he was mourning. He was hurt in his heart. He was weeping. Jesus knows about grief. Acts 8-2, with the death of the first Christian, Stephen, after he was put to death, it says, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And this is the case of, of those that we have buried in our church. It hurts. But we don't grieve like the rest of mankind. We grieve knowing that our God will work all things for our good and His glory. We grieve knowing that death has not won, that Jesus has won. We grieve as those who have hope. So that leads us to our, our third thing. We, we don't want to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. We don't want to be uninformed about grief, but we also don't want to be uninformed about hope. Our goodbyes, when our loved ones in Christ fall asleep, is a goodbye for now. It's not a goodbye forever. It's a goodbye for now. It's not a goodbye forever. I will see you again. And when we meet again, we'll be changed. The people we have buried will have new bodies. You'll recognize them. They won't have to deal with cancer. They won't have to deal with arthritis. They won't have to deal with everything that holds you back in this life. And if you live long enough, your body will fail. And the good news, we who are alive will be transformed also. 
and be given, instead of an earthly body, a glorious spiritual body. One in immortality. One that will not perish. That's the promise that we're given. That gives us hope. I think this is interesting. I, I don't, I've never experienced this, and some of you have. But this is my guess. If, if I can take this truth that we're covering here in this text, and, and dig it deep and hide it into my heart, I think, and, and, and I don't know the order of things, but let's say I have to bury my grandparents, or I have to bury mom, dad, or a brother, or a family member. I have to bury one of you, or vice versa. This is my prayer. This is what I hope. I hope it's like Something when next year, let's say Ava goes off to college and I have to drop her off. Now it's going to stink. It hurts. You're excited for her. She's got to take the next steps and figure out what God wants for her life. And at the same time, it's a little painful as parents. But it's a goodbye for now, not a goodbye forever. And we'll probably mark on the calendar uh, Christmas break. She gets to come home. We'll get to see her then. We'll mark on the calendar spring break. All right, she gets uh, summer break. Come on back. Now, listen, I'll be excited. Julianne will be excited. Her sisters might not be. Her room's already up for grabs. Who knows how that'll be. But it's a goodbye for now, not a goodbye forever. And our hope and death and with Christ's return is even more sure than that. It's not a wishful, hopeful, pie-in-the-sky thing. It's not a, I hope the Bengals win the Super Bowl. It's not a, I hope I get this job. It's a, I know this is going to happen. It's that type of hope. I know what Jesus said is true. I know he's given a promise, and God does not lie. You know, now I can make a promise, but there's a lot of things that can limit that. Right? I don't know all the details of what's going to happen. I can give you a promise. Uh, let's say, Aaron, let's say you're moving. I said, I'll promise. I'll be there. I'll help you. But let's say something happens in the family. I can't show up for Aaron to help him move. I made a promise, but I couldn't keep it because I was limited in knowing what was coming down the road. Jesus never has that problem. When he makes a promise, he knows everything. He has all the power. And he loves you completely. There has never been a promise given to us that Jesus has not kept. He has either kept it or he's going to keep it. That's the hope that we have. What Jesus said, he does. And what he has done gives us confidence in what he will do. So don't be uninformed, but be encouraged. Hebrews 11.1 1 puts it this way, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about things we do not see. How many of you have seen Jesus returning on the clouds? I haven't. But that verse says, have confidence and be assured. It's coming. Faith is defined by confidence and assurance. It's conviction of things not seen. And it indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. Instead, faith is complete confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen, but has been promised by God, will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. Now listen, 
You go to a funeral, there's not much hope there, but you see that, that'll give you hope. You will be encouraged. So that leads us. So you want to be encouraged, and it happens by not being uninformed. What do we need to know? Well, be encouraged, you need to know these three things. There's, There's three truths that Paul lays out very, very quickly. Look at verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died. That's the first thing. We believe that Jesus died. The second thing, and that he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. Jesus will return. Those three things we need to know. Jesus died. Why is that important? You see this in 1 Corinthians 15.3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture. Had Jesus not laid his life down, you and I are in trouble. Death is still standing over us. The payment for sin would not have been paid, but Jesus paid it by going to the cross. That's why Paul says, hey, you know what happened? Jesus died. Look at what happened when Jesus died. Colossians 1, 21-22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish, and free from accusation. That's what we're given. Why? Because Jesus has died. Hebrews 9.28 puts it this way. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The payment has been paid. And what Paul is saying is, hey, church, remember, Jesus died in your place paid for your sin you know God now because of what Jesus has done that's a historical reality that's where you find your hope but not only did he die he rose again 1 Corinthians 15 4 talking of first importance after he said Jesus died he goes here that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to scriptures what an amazing Fact. You want to know why you have hope to overcome the grave? Because you know someone who has overcome the grave. They buried him, they rolled the tomb over, and the grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the grave. And when he rose, he didn't leave his body behind. Remember uh, Thomas? Thomas was unlucky. Jesus appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't in the room. And the disciples were like, hey, Jesus is alive. And he says, listen, if I don't touch his scars and see his hands, I don't believe you. And wouldn't you know, Jesus shows up again and invites Thomas, see, touch my scars, see my side. Jesus, real body. He also eats breakfast with his friends, has fish. He shows up to 500 witnesses. And Paul says, hey, you know many of them. They're still around. Some have fallen asleep, but you know many of them. He didn't do this in secret, in the shadows. He was crucified on a tree. He was dead and buried, and he rose from the grave. And Paul says, hey, you need to remember that, church. Don't be uninformed. Be encouraged. You know someone who died and rose from the grave, and that makes all the difference 
for you and for me. See this in 2 Corinthians 4.14. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That's a future reality for all of us in Christ. What a promise. Or what, John's, or what Jesus says in the book of John, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's why Paul points back to this. You need to know these truths, that Jesus died and that he rose again. And then, thirdly, Jesus will return. Jesus will return. I, I thought this was interesting. In his commentary, Mark, Mark Howe um, explains how much the return of Christ is mentioned in the New Testament. Right? So the Bible is divided into two uh, books. You have the Old Testament, New Testament. New Testament has 27 books that make up the New Testament. And this is what he says. The Bible teaches that Jesus is coming again. 23 out of the 27 books in the New Testament state that he is coming one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament either speaks directly of his coming or in time surrounding his coming. For every biblical reference to Jesus' first coming, there are eight that point to his return. Clearly, biblical writers did not want their readers to miss this truth. Now, I think this is interesting. I, I explained the, the three things that the Thessalonians weren't getting about the return of Christ. Right, that some thought they missed the return of Christ, some thought because you died you're going to miss out on the return of Christ, and some thought they could quit their jobs because Jesus is coming back, who cares anyways? I don't think we struggle with that as a church. You want to know where I think we struggle? It's been hundreds of years since Jesus walked this earth. And I'm afraid... The fact that Jesus hasn't come back, some of us think Jesus won't come back. I wonder how often the return of Christ has been in your minds this past week, this past year, the past five years. Are you living in light of the truth that Jesus is returning? And he could return right now. One pastor put it this way. Before you get home, Jesus could come and take you home, and then you really would be home. What a truth. What a truth. And so with this, Paul jumps into the, the crux of the text, and Jesus is returning. And here he lays out four things, and we'll go through them quickly. Four things about the return of Christ. The first one's found in verse 15. And he's telling, hey, church, you that are still alive, you're not first. This is what he says. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that those who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And so those who have died, those who have buried in the Lord, will get their new bodies before we're transformed. And I was, I was going back, and, and here's, here's one of the hard parts about coming together you, you grow deep roots with one another and the longer you live life the closer you get to death and it is a sad reality when the casket is holding a loved one but the casket won't keep 
the loved one. They go first. And I was just going over this, and, and there were some from the, the funerals that we've done here. Also, uh, my pastor growing up, Tim Alexander, uh, he died December 11th, 2013. And uh, I grew up in the, in the church down the road, served there as a student pastor. Uh, he served faithfully, helped us move locations. And then cancer came back and took his life at the age of 69. So right when he was getting ready to enjoy retirement, he was called home. And I remember seeing the body in the casket thinking, that's not right. It's not right, and it's not final, and it won't be forever. Let's say Jesus comes back now. He goes first. The loved ones that we buried, they go first. They get new bodies. That's what we see in verse 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is a good companion to hold with this passage in Thessalonians. Check out what we read in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. This is the type of bodies you and I will get. So you die, you're buried, this is the type of bodies you're going to get. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. That is awesome. That is good news because your body's going to waste away. It will fail you. But you get a new one. And I just think, how awesome is that? Tim Alexander, one day will be walking around, no cancer, perfect health. All of us walking around, perfect health, because you keep reading in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Now listen, I don't know about you. If I have a choice, I don't. But if I did, I would love to not be the ones that fall asleep. I want to be awake when Jesus returns. But it doesn't change the reality. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. So those who have died and preceded us in death will be changed. And then we who are left when Jesus returns will be changed. But when and what type? In a flash. In a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. How awesome is that truth? I love that. Paul's saying, hey, nobody's going to miss out. You buried a loved one, they won't miss out. And then I love this. This is the, the you're not first, but you also won't miss it. First, listen to, the, to what happens. To wake the bones up. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Just try to imagine that. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. Well, how will we know it's the Lord? I'm glad you asked. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're not going to miss it. this This is where my mind went. At Oakland Avenue, we have a garage door. We had to use it for storage. I knew when Donovan hit the bass drum loud enough, the garage door will rattle. And I knew we were getting somewhere when the garage door was rattling. Boom, and it would rattle. Boom, it would rattle. This is what I hear here. Loud command, voice of the archangel, trumpet going, the bones start rattling. How awesome is that? And then they rise. 
what was sown in weakness, now in strength. Sown in dishonor, now in honor. Sown perishable, now imperishable. How awesome is that? We will not miss it. This is the greatest event coming in history. And you will not miss it. So not only, church, would you not be first if you're still alive, and not only will you not miss it, but you will also be caught up together meeting the Lord in the air. You talk about a family reunion. I mean, look at this picture. Verse 17. After that, after the, the three calls that go out that wakes everybody up, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Like there's three things in, this, in just this verse that just blow me away. Number one, the bodies of the dead will be reunited with their spirits. So, so we know when you die, to be absent from the body, to be away from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Our soul, our spirit, goes to be with Jesus. Now, you guys see this with the thief on the cross. Jesus tells him, today you'll be with me in paradise, but his body was still on the cross. So how does that happen? Your soul goes with God. Your body's buried. And at the return of Christ, you get a new body, and your spirit will be connected. So that's the first thing. Bodies of the dead reunited with the spirits. And second, those who are alive in Christ and those who have died in Christ are reunited. That's why we say our goodbyes are not forever, it's just for now. We're going to see those who buried in Christ. The funerals aren't final. It's just a farewell for now. What a glorious day. Yeah, have that picture in your mind. But, but now you've got to think about something. You're not going to look the way you look, and your loved one's not going to look the way they looked. It's going to be better. You'll recognize them. But it'll be better. What a beautiful truth Paul is giving the church. So not only are we caught up together with them, but we together meet Christ face to face and live with him forever. We get to be with the Lord forever. Man, I can't wait. I cannot wait for that day couple of, uh, of things and I I get in my mind that the passage in Acts where Jesus just talked to his disciples tells them their mission and then he's just lifted up ascends to the father and, and everybody's just looking up into the clouds and the angels come and say hey what are y'all doing and, and I don't know but I'm a little bit sarcastic I'm like what do you mean what are we doing well, we just saw Jesus float up into the sky we don't know what's going on and the angel's like, hey, guys, get to work. The same Jesus that you saw leave will return just as he left. And every once in a while, there'll be a cloud that stands out, and I'm looking, uh, what about now? Now's a good time. What about today? Today's an awesome time for Jesus to come back. One day, he is coming. So after this text... He moves on, and I love the application. So, so you have this truth. Don't be uninformed. Be encouraged. Know that Jesus died. He rose again, and that he's returning. 
Know that your loved ones that you buried, yeah, they'll hear it. They'll be made new, and so will you. And then he goes into verse 8. So what do you do with all this? Well, you encourage one another with these words. Therefore, because all of this is true, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Many of you guys have been to funerals, and you hear the same things. And people honestly have no idea what to say at a time like that. It's hard. And I think the number one thing is sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. But that's not what we see here. Death will not be loss. Death will be gain. The moment you breathe your last tear, you'll be in the presence of Jesus. And then those of us that are alive at his return, we'll meet up together to be with Jesus forever. And that'll be a glorious reunion. I want you to see this, and, and then I'll close. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians, and there's a passage in Titus, and then with this, the return of Christ always motivates people to do something, to do something. So, so here, it's encourage one another with these words. Uh, you wonder why I think we have to encourage one another with these words? Because it's easy to forget. Because the picture of a funeral is, is right in your face. The, the caskets are reality. And so we've got to remind, there's a greater reality. God's word is a bigger reality than death because Christ has overcome the grave. So we've got to remind each other, encourage one another with these words. But then also you see in 1 Corinthians, and, and this is an awesome passage, talks about where, O death, is your victory, where, O death, is your sting. The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. You can stand firm. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be swayed by the world's opinion. You can stand firm because you know how this ends. Jesus is coming. And if he doesn't come, you'll meet him through the grave. And if he does come, you'll meet him through the air. Either way, I'm not moving. I'm holding on to the gospel. I'm clinging to Jesus. I will stand firm because this is the reality of the future. Then he goes on to say, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I don't know about you. Growing up, mom would leave me and my sister. This was before my younger brothers. There's a big gap. Before my younger brothers were, were around, me and my sister, we'd get a list of chores. And mom would go out, run in there, and go to the grocery store. And I always thought I could put off the chores until I heard the garage door. And then I could, in a violent manner, get everything done all at once. Right? I should not have done that. I always failed. I should have been living in the reflection that mom will be back and these chores better be done. In the same way, Jesus is returning. I want to be found faithful. When he comes back, I want to be busy about what God put me on this planet to do. And a shorter version of this is in Titus. Titus 2, 13 and 14, it says, While we wait, for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself for a people of his very own, eager to do what is good. So while we wait, may we be eager to do what is good.
I'll close with this. I was talking to a teacher and preparing this message, and, and this is a good friend of mine. Uh, we've, we've been through the ringer. We teach special education together. We coach together. And I just asked him, hey, man, not looking for a right answer, just looking for your opinion. What's going to happen when we die? He goes, man, I, I don't know. I go, well, do you ever think about that? He goes, yeah, I've thought about that. I've thought about that. And he goes, I'm just, I'm not really sure. And then he goes, well, nobody really knows because no one's died and come back to tell us about it. And I told him, what about if there was a guy who died and came back and told us about it? And I just told him, hey, that, that is Jesus. You could know what happens when you die. The Bible is very clear. The question is, what are you doing with Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Do you trust him to save you? The Bible's clear. Turn from your sin, call on Jesus, and you are saved. Very, very clear call. You don't have to be afraid of death. You can know what's next for you. If you've never put your faith in Christ, do that today. And so just, it's going to be a little different. We're not going to sing a song this morning. I'm just going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. And this is why I want you to pray. I don't know how God's moving in your life right now. But there's three areas that I want you to think as you're praying. Number one, first question to ask. I am not ready for the Lord to return, but I want to be. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you just lift your hand up so I can see it and put it down? I'm not ready for the Lord turn, but I want to be. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Hands all over the place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, church, I'm going to ask that we pray together for those who have lifted their hand and that they will be ready for the Lord return. That they'll put their trust in Jesus that they can call on God right now to be saved, forgiven of their sin, and have life in Christ. And then there's another group. The return of Christ hasn't challenged my day-to-day life, but I want it to. Would you pray for me? I want to know the hope and comfort and purpose and peace that come from knowing Jesus is returning Would you lift your hand all over the room? I see you. And then finally, and this is for all of us, I want to encourage others with the truth of Jesus' return. This is something I'm going to ask that we all pray for one another. Help us to know when and what to say and that we are given boldness to speak the truth to encourage others. I want us to pray that for every one of us. All right, let me pray for you. Father, what an awesome God you are. Lord, our biggest need is the sin that separates us from you and the death that will eternally separate us from you. But you sent your son who died in our place who rose from the grave and will return for his people. And we have life in his name.
Father, I pray for those hands that were lifted, said they're not ready for you to return. I pray that they are ready now by putting their trust in you. And so right where they're sitting, I pray that they turn to you, that they call on you to save them. I pray that you send your spirit to give them confidence in the faith, to assure them of salvation, turning from their sin and clinging to Jesus as Lord. Father, I pray for the group that lifted their hands and some that, that wanted to but didn't. We said the return of your son has not impacted them the way that, that it should. And I pray that you help us keep that reality in the front of our minds. I pray that we hold on to that truth, that you bring peace and comfort in the reality of knowing that Jesus will one day return and we'll be re reunited with those who have gone before us, fallen asleep, to be with him forever. And then, Father, I pray that you fill us with your word. Help us encourage one another with the truth that Jesus died, rose, and will return. It's in his name we pray. Amen.